Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. President Biden trying to rally young Democrat voters ahead of the midterm elections, while independent Senator Bernie Sanders gives some tips. Illegal immigration affecting Texas and the U.S. That's what former President Trump spoke about when addressing a crowd in the Lone Star State over the weekend. He also hinted at a possible 2024 presidential run. Is New York about to elect a Republican governor? And is it a sign of things to come for Democrats? We take you to a rally in Queens, New York. Protesters in Texas show up at LGBTQ events open to children. They say they aim to prevent indoctrination and grooming. The British Conservative Party announced today its next leader will be Rishi Sunak, former Chancellor of the Exchequer. He's on track to become Britain's third leader in seven weeks. Good afternoon. Um, As returning officer in the leadership election, I can confirm uh, that we have received one valid nomination. Rishi Sunak is therefore elected as leader of the Conservative Party. After Liz Truss stepped down last week, attention turned to her predecessor, Boris Johnson, but he dropped his bid for a comeback on Sunday, leaving Sunak as the party's only surviving candidate. He faces dire challenges, in particular on the economic front, and although his Conservative Party retains a majority in Parliament, it trails the opposition Labour Party by more than 30 points in recent opinion polls. Calls for a general election have begun and are likely to grow. Turning now to leadership in the United States, President Biden is trying to rally young Democrat voters ahead of the midterms. And today's Jessica Beatty has more on his recent meeting with six young changemakers. President Biden recently met with a group of young Americans. They talked about issues including abortion, criminal justice reform, gun control, and economic instability, among others. During the forum hosted by media company Now This, Biden underscored Democrats' slim majority in the Senate, and he called for voter turnout in the upcoming midterm elections. Biden said he'd fulfill his promises on key issues if he can get more support in Congress. Here's what the president told gun control advocate Natalie Barden. I promise you, I made it a priority from the beginning, but you got to vote. Vote, 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 vote. We need a couple more. Democrats in the Senate. Meanwhile, Senator Bernie Sanders says he's worried about Democratic voter turnout ahead of the midterms. The independent lawmaker caucuses with Democrats. On Sunday, he told CNN how he thinks the party can get more people out to vote. I am worried about the level of uh, voter turnout among young people and working people who will be voting Democratic. And I think, again, what Democrats have got to do is contrast their economic plan with the Republicans. Democrats have slim majorities in both the House and Senate. Historically, the party of the president tends to lose seats during midterms. Voters often rank inflation and the economy a top issue ahead of the midterms and polls. In those surveys, Republicans tend to perform much better than Democrats. And Republicans and some economists have blamed Democrats' big spending for the high inflation we're seeing now. I think what the Democrats have got to say is we are going to stand with working people We're prepared to take on the drug companies. We're prepared to take on the insurance companies and create an economy that works for all of us. Early in-person voting has already started in many states. The midterm elections will be held on November 8th. Jessica Beatty, NTD News.
Speaking of the midterms, former President Donald Trump campaigned at a rally in southern Texas over the weekend. Illegal immigration took center stage at the event. Here's the story. Former President Trump spoke at a rally in Robstown, Texas on Saturday. His main focus while addressing the southern Texans was illegal immigration. Trump mostly blamed President Biden and his administration for what Trump calls the erase of our southern border. Let's open up the borders, let millions of people pour in, let convicts, prisoners come in from 129 different countries, murderers, rapists. They're going to come in from 129 different countries. In the fiscal year that ended around a month ago, illegal immigrants were stopped over 2.3 million times. That's the highest it's ever been, and an increase of almost 40 percent from the year before. The former president explained why he says the immigration we're experiencing is similar to an invasion. Stop the invasion. You know, it's an invasion just like an army is invading us. And you have criminals coming in. That's like an army. And they, they get their arms. If they don't have the arms, they get them real fast. But they're invading our southern border. They're storming our country. They include Syria, Somalia, Yemen, Russia, China, Iran, all of Africa. They're storming our country. They're storming our borders. We have no idea who they are, where they come from. He further explains why he says an open border can kill Americans. Just think, this year more Americans will die of fentanyl and drug overdose than the number of Ukrainians killed in a gruesome and bloody war. Yet Biden and the radical Democrats do nothing to stop the death and devastation that we have happening right here at home. He also proposed a solution to stopping criminals who smuggle illegal drugs over the border. And now you have to do something very strong. It's, th it's called the death penalty, and you're going to have no drug problem. You're going to have crime will go down. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton also blamed the Biden administration for record high numbers of illegal border crossings. The first day that Joe Biden came into office, he announced that he would no longer deport illegal aliens. The president of the National Border Patrol Council says when Trump shut down the government, the situation at the border improved significantly. We're talking 45-year lows in illegal immigration, and he was able to do it overnight. Trump also strongly hinted at a 2024 presidential run. Getting millions more votes in 2020 than we got in 2016, and likewise getting more votes than any sitting president in the history of our country by far. And now, in order to make our country successful, safe, and glorious again, I will probably have to do it again. NTD reached out to the Biden administration for comment on the criticism from various speakers, but didn't hear back before broadcast. Zooming in on California, Governor Gavin Newsom debated his opponent Brian Dolly over the weekend. Newsom vowed to serve a full four-year term if he wins in November. That's amid speculation he will run for president in 2024. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on Sunday's debate. The two candidates sat down for a civil, hour-long debate, calmly discussing issues Californians are facing and the solutions they each bring to the table. As we speak, we're sending out billions and billions of dollars in inflation checks. We're Newsom is expected to easily win re-election in November and has done little campaigning in California this year. Instead, he's fueled speculation that he might be considering a 2024 presidential run. That's because he's been running ads challenging Republican leaders in Florida and Texas, potential opponents in a presidential election. i to be clear, that was a yes on four more years. Yes. Dale honed in on the economy and the cost of living, including high gas prices. 
Californians are fleeing California for one reason, because they can't afford to live here, and he's out of touch with the everyday, hardworking, middle-class Californians. Now, yes, his elite friends can afford Teslas at $70,000, but uh, Californians on the whole have no opportunity but to just suffer well, from the policies. Governor Their exchange heated up when the topic of education was raised. Both candidates have children in private schools. Dale says the state's public schools are failing due to Newsom's policies. I take offense at our policies and strategies. I mean, what you identified are problems. We're identifying solutions every single day. Sunday's debate is the only one the candidates will have before the election. Dolly's campaign has raised less than $1 million and has not run any TV ads. He plans to drive a truck across the state and hold rallies up until Election Day. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. As Governor Newsom looks into the future, Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi may be slowing down. The 82-year-old declines to say whether she intends to seek another term as House Speaker if Democrats keep control of the House. Pelosi was on the CBS program Face the Nation on Sunday. She was asked about her earlier remark on potential new, younger leadership for her party. Pelosi called for, quote, generational change, but added, quote, in some cases, there's no substitute for experience. Pelosi was asked twice about whether she would remain House Speaker if Democrats prevail in congressional elections. She gave no direct answer. Democratic Congresswoman Alyssa Slotkin has called for new blood in the congressional leadership. Below Pelosi, the next two ranking House Democrats are all over 80 years old. Could New York's next governor be a Republican? GOP Congressman Lee Zeldin has closed the gap on New York Governor Kathy Hochul in recent polls. Some even show him ahead, despite New York's reputation as a deep blue state. This past Saturday, Zeldin was in Queens, New York, rallying his base. Entity's Paul Graney was there. Our soon and next governor, Lee Zeldin! With some polls showing the unthinkable that we could have a Republican governor here in New York State, Congressman Lee Zeldin is here in Queens, New York, rallying his base in what will be a tense election two weeks this Tuesday. It's been 20 years since New York last elected a Republican governor, but a recent poll shows that Congressman Lee Zeldin has just moved ahead of the state's current governor, Democrat Kathy Hochul. You know what we need to do on day one is that we are going to declare a crime emergency in New York and we are going to suspend cashless bail and the other pro-criminal laws they passed. Zeldin's tough-on-crime message seems to be what's catapulting him forward. He says declaring a crime emergency would end policies that are making it difficult for cops to enforce the law. Crime in New York, especially in New York City, has been on the rise. We feel unsafe when we're taking the subway, um, and we like our elected officials to be doing something about it. It's getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah, every day. Because nobody does nothing about it. Hochul doesn't do nothing about it. Two days ago, Governor Kathy Hochul said the state would send more money to New York City for subway policing. She also promised security cameras for subway trains. But Zeldin says too little, too late. His running mate, former cop Allison Esposito, says Democrat policies have tied cops' hands. We have to fund our law enforcement, give them the training, the resources, and the ability, the tools to do the job the way we need it done. Hochul and Zeldin will soon go face-to-face -face in the race's only debate Tuesday evening. Paul Graney, Entity News, New York. 
The state of Texas has become a hotbed for heated conflicts relating to the LGBTQ community and children, diverging political ideologies, and other cultural differences. NTD's Daniel Monahan has more. The nonprofit organization Protect Texas Kids organizes protests of certain events it disagrees with, such as drag show brunches and church-hosted fundraisers for LGBTQ youth. The group says its mission is to protect Texas kids from what it calls the harmful agenda of the political left. They describe that as things such as critical race theory or gender modification procedures on minors. They say the political left has declared war on traditional values and made children their battleground. Protect Texas Kids founder Kelly Niedert organized a protest on October 13th at a Pride event in the city of Frisco, Texas. My organization has been protesting these uh, kid-friendly Pride events and these drag shows for kids because we don't believe that these events can be kid-friendly. They are inherently sexual. And when there's events like this and they claim that there's not going to be a drag show inside, well, it's still a pride event and they're celebrating their sexual preferences. So how can that be appropriate for kids? One of the protesters explained his presence. I'm against the indoctrination of children. Plain and simple. You want to be gay? Great. More power to you. Children are innocent. They're moldable and they're influenced. Some protesters accused the attendees of grooming children through such events, and some yelled at attendees entering and exiting the Pride event. One event attendee reacted to the protests. Yeah. Uh, I wish they, they wouldn't, but they're here, and uh, we're just trying to ignore them and have fun and enjoy being here and with our friends. A few days after the Pride event in Frisco, protesters demonstrated at the University of Houston. There, conservative commentator Matt Walsh spoke and screened his film, What is a Woman?, an American documentary about gender and transgender issues. Protester Ripken Davis said he routinely demonstrates with the Space City Anarchist Organization. In my family, I have a lot of people who are transphobic, who are hateful towards those who do not identify as their biological gender. And I am here to sh show support for the LGBTQ, for the trans community. Transgender procedures and surgery have become a heated topic on the recent political scene. Republican lawmakers in the U.S. House introduced the Protect Children's Innocence Act bill in August. It aims to prohibit numerous medical procedures for minors. Those include puberty blockers and certain surgeries that allow individuals to alter their body. Meanwhile, the Vanderbilt Transgender Health Clinic in Nashville recently announced that it had suspended transgender surgeries for minors while it seeks advice from clinical experts. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Around 1,000 students at a Virginia high school were absent last week with flu-like gastrointestinal symptoms. The school has about 2,100 students in total. A spokeswoman told news outlets the school is working with the local health department to identify the root cause of the illness. A school newspaper said the sickness may be connected to the homecoming dance that more than 1,200 students attended on October 15th. Local media reported that the school underwent a deep cleaning over the weekend. School districts elsewhere have also reported an increase in flu-like symptoms. Two high schools in San Diego had significantly high absences last week. And the head of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has tested positive for COVID-19. A statement from the CDC says Dr. Rochelle Walensky learned of her positive test Friday night. She is experiencing mild symptoms and isolating at home. The agency says Walensky is up to date on her COVID vaccinations and received an update booster last month. 
The numbers of COVID-19 cases in the U.S. have been dropping into fall. However, some worry about a surge coming into the colder months ahead. Dr. Anthony Fauci, Jen Psaki, and other top officials will have to testify under oath. A federal court ordered the depositions in a case of alleged government collusion with big tech companies to censor users. The judge wrote that he agrees with the plaintiffs that Fauci's previous, quote, self-serving blanket denials couldn't be taken at face value. The denials refer to his alleged role in censoring views on social media. The judge continued that it does not matter whether Dr. Fauci acted indirectly or as an intermediary, it is still relevant to the case. The attorneys general of Louisiana and Missouri and other plaintiffs allege that Fauci and other defendants colluded and coerced social media companies. The aim being to, quote, suppress disfavored speakers, viewpoints, and content regarding COVID-19. Coming up, Chinese Communist Party leader Xi Jinping secures another five-year term in power, and his immediate predecessor was mysteriously escorted out of the party leadership meeting. We hear from experts on what's possibly behind the move. And the German chancellor is under scrutiny for pushing a major investment deal with China. This is while he plans his trip to China next month. Stay tuned for more in just a minute. Welcome back. Chinese Communist Party leader Xi Jinping has secured a precedent-breaking third term in power. That's the result from the Chinese regime's leadership meeting, which concluded over the weekend. Xi will stay as the Communist Party general secretary for at least five more years until 2027. His predecessors, after Mao Zedong, have set a norm of retiring after two terms. The CCP also shuffled its highest decision-making body, the Politburo Standing Committee. Shanghai's Communist Party chief Li Qiang will likely replace incumbent Chinese regime premier Li Keqiang, who is expected to retire next March. Li Qiang was the focus of public anger over Shanghai's COVID lockdowns, but he has a long history with Xi. The man he would replace, Li Keqiang, was absent from the meeting. There was also an unusual incident during the CCP meeting on Saturday. Xi Jinping's immediate predecessor, Hu Jintao, was unexpectedly escorted off the stage. Who could be seen sitting next to Xi? During the closing ceremony of the meeting, he was mysteriously escorted off the stage. It's not immediately clear why he was escorted out. Who appeared to resist leaving as stewards led him away? This was highly unusual because such events undergo meticulous stage management. Video of the incident was widely shared on Twitter but could not be seen on Chinese social media platforms due to heavy censorship. Who was the CCP leader from 2002 to 2012, immediately before Xi took power? Chinese state media said Hu was escorted out of the meeting after feeling unwell. The international community is paying close attention and offering their analyses. The BBC said in a report that there are two likely reasons. One was that Hu was having serious health problems that happened very suddenly. The other reason proposed was that it was part of China's power politics on full display. The BBC said Hu could have been symbolically removed because of he represents a former time. China affairs experts are offering their thoughts on what's possibly behind this unusual incident. Here's Professor Zhang Tianliang's comment during a live panel discussion on Saturday. It didn't look like he was feeling unwell from the way he walked. If he were feeling unwell, the party's health experts would have assessed that and stopped him from attending the meeting. Also, if he were feeling unwell, 
other people would have been able to show their concerns without having to worry about anything, because there wouldn't be any political consequences. But we see that Wen Jiabao, Wang Yang and Hu Chunhua, who used to work under Hu Jintao, they didn't even look at Hu Jintao. Over in Germany, Chancellor Olaf Scholz is under scrutiny over a deal with China. He's reportedly pushing to approve a major Chinese investment in the country's largest port. According to an investigation by German regional public broadcasters last week, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz is pushing to approve a deal with Chinese state-owned shipping giant Costco. Costco is trying to buy a 35% stake in a container terminal in the port of Hamburg. It's one of three terminals at Germany's largest port. German reports say this is despite warnings from six federal ministers who are concerned about over-dependency on China. Here's the chancellor's comment on the deal. It's not about selling the port, as in Zeebrugge or Piraeus. At most, it's about a share. It's about a share in one terminal, as is the case in some Western European ports. And it's really only about one of many terminals of a very large port. But there are still so many questions to be clarified that there is no interim status to report at the moment. The deal is part of the Chinese regime's global Belt and Road Initiative. It's an ambitious infrastructure project that critics say is debt-trapping other countries and creating economic dependency on China. The terms of the deal were first agreed to in September 2021. They are still subject to regulatory approval. And amid the debate over this deal, the German chancellor said he will visit China next month. I have been planning a trip for a long time. This has been discussed. And we have agreed on the date for this trip. And this is something where we naturally talk to each other about what's happening. But this is a trip, an inaugural visit that I'm making there. Before the German-Chinese government consultations, it was important that this should happen once. Schultz will be traveling with a delegation of German business leaders at the start of November. He declined to confirm whether he would travel with French President Emmanuel Macron. Just ahead, a store robbery leads to a police chase and then a shower of money covering a Chilean highway. We'll have the story for you in just a minute here on NTD News Today. Money showering the highway. A dramatic police chase in Chile ended with the cops pulled over, picking up thousands of bills off the road. The money came from a sewer robbery in the Chilean capital of Santiago. Police began to follow the robber's getaway car through different streets in the area and chase them onto the highway. Then security camera footage showed the suspects throwing money bags out of the window. The bags burst under the wheel of another car, causing Chilean peso bills to spill all over the road. The money was then picked up by the police, but the robbers didn't get away either. After the chase, police detained six suspects. According to local media, the alleged robbers tried to steal nearly 10 million Chilean pesos, an amount worth 10,300 U.S. dollars. Thousands of sheep were herded through the city of Madrid over the weekend along ancient grazing routes through the heart of the Spanish capital. The annual event started about three decades ago. Along these traditional routes, the livestock can be herded from northern Spain to pastures further south for winter grazing. Shepherds call it the legacy of the Spanish farmers. Centuries ago, the same routes would take the herds through the quiet countryside, but today the animals have to travel through some of the busiest streets in the city. The unexpected sight attracts large crowds of city dwellers and visitors. Many find this a great opportunity to learn about Spanish history and culture. 
And that's all for today's program. We're really glad to have you with us. Please send us an email if you'd like to tell us something. We're going to put it on screen. For podcasters, that's news.today at ntd.com. I'm Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City. Music